Welcome to the Husband Material Podcast, where we help Christian men outgrow porn. Why? So you can change your brain, heal your heart, and save your relationship. My name is Drew Boa, and I'm here to show you how. Let's go. Hey, man, thank you so much for listening to this interview with Sherry Keffer. Wow. Wow. This is one of my favorite interviews of Husband Material. Listen, her book, Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal, is the best book I have ever read for partners of men outgrowing porn. In fact, I was reading this book and it was helping me heal. But in this conversation, you are going to learn how to help her heal. This is something you might want to share with your girlfriend, with your wife, with your friends who have wives who are just devastated and hurting. Dr. Sherry provides a trauma-informed and empathetic perspective that is so healing. In fact, I think her community, the Brave One community, is kind of like the other side of husband material. So if you are interested in not only healing for yourself, but healing as a couple, and especially giving your partner the resources and the support she deserves, then keep listening and enjoy the episode. Today's episode has been a long time coming. I have been so excited about this. I've been waiting for this. We get to hear from Dr. Sherry Keffer, author of Intimate Deception, Healing the Wounds of Sexual Betrayal. Sherry, welcome to Husband Material. It is so great to be here with you, Drew. And you know what? I think we are the bookends of hope. I think that you and I and what we're actually trying to do with those that we love and care for are like those bookends that match and we're caring for people, but ultimately we're caring for what's going on in them and the coupleship. Uh, and we're really working to help people heal in whatever capacity they need us. I'm really honored that that you see it that way. I certainly want that and I hope for that. That's my mission is to help men outgrow pornography and unwanted sexual behavior. And for all of you guys who have been listening to this podcast and benefiting from it and wondering, what is out there for my wife? What is out there for my girlfriend? Today, you will learn the best place for her to heal, in my opinion. And that is under the guidance of Dr. Sherry. So let's do this. Let's talk about healing from sexual betrayal. Why are you so passionate about this topic? Yeah, you know, Drew, uh, I would have never thought that the greatest heartache in my life would actually become something that I am most passionate about and trying to really help others heal. And I have a ton of compassion for both sides. I don't think there's any man I ever fought harder for in my life than Connor. And Connor um, was a pastor and I did not know the extent of what was happening in our marriage until we'd been married for a while. But I did know one thing. He had been looking at pornography and, and called a 900 number now that is uh, a sex line back in the day. That was a way that they could, you know, uh, call this number and, and act out. He told me about it. And all I had to do, Drew, was just look at my own life and go, okay, I'm far from being perfect. I am so far that I have no room to um, make it a big deal. I was hurt. I was confused. I was actually shocked because I figured what is going on with me? What's wrong with me that he needs to call this 900 line? Like, you know, we, we get along well, we make out great. Like, I'm like, what is happening? But, um, I didn't understand that it had a thread, a longer thread back in his history. It had been going on for a while. And so I forgave him that day. And what I see now is I spiritualized it. I, I forgave him, spiritualized it. And to be honest, Drew, I didn't even know the questions to ask when I found out about that. And I honestly thought that would be the last time that we would need to address the issue. Post-marriage, right, after we got married, he began to act out more. And yet it was it was at that point, it was underground. I didn't know until some months into our marriage when... Um, I found out that he'd been regularly looking at pornography in our first year of marriage, and I was 
decimated. I was brokenhearted. I had saved myself to be married to him and loved our wedding, um, our honeymoon. I actually bought a beautiful basin and some towels and I washed his feet on our honeymoon night. He washed mine before we consummated anything as an act of just like, I want to serve you. I'm, I'm all in, I'm all in. And had no idea that this tale of pornography had followed us into our marriage. And ultimately, there was affairs and prostitutes. Um, uh, and, you know, our marriage was a casualty. It ended up in a divorce. Um, but my life hasn't been a casualty. I am now in the saddle. Um, and um, moving forward, you know, John Wayne says this, he said, you know, uh, being fearless is being scared to death and saddling up anyway. And I think every day I am saddling up in a different conversation with a different person. And I'm really fighting for what I see happens when people get good help, good care, good support. Um, and when I can help move them into honesty and the truth, which I feel are the two pillars that every betrayed partners need, I think I see changes. I see couples growing and even becoming stronger. And that's the cookie for me. That's what keeps me going is I see changes. And that's very hope giving um, at this point in my life. There is so much hope. There is so much healing out there, not just for other people, but for each one of us. And it starts with understanding what's really going on? What is the real problem? What are we dealing with here? And you've coined a really helpful term, intimate deception, betrayal, trauma. What exactly is that? Yeah. You know, that term, Drew, came out of some research that I did as a betrayed partner and as somebody who was really trying to understand what I was seeing in my office, what I had felt in my own life, what I had seen in my friends' lives when this happened. Because the person who finds out is bleeding out. They're hurting. There wasn't consent. Consent is when you come to someone and you said, hey, I just want you to know, Sherry, you know, I'm looking at porn. And I just want to let you know that's something that's happening. I, you know, I'm doing it or I'm going to be doing it today. That's why I'm taking my iPad into the restroom, or that's why I'm turning my phone over when you see me and, and giving me the opportunity to make a decision with him. When there's intimate deception, there isn't consent. Now that doesn't mean you haven't told her that, yeah, you know, I'm struggling with porn and kind of like that broad confession, you feel like that covers a multitude of moments. But for us, we don't experience it that way. Every single time we find out that you have replaced us with another picture, another person, it impacts our sexuality. It impacts our identity. It impacts our sensuality, which is different than sexuality. Sensuality is just like, for me, how I felt about a, being a woman. Was I lovely? Was I beautiful? Was I desired? Was I wanted? It like punctures that. It's not a hole right through how I felt about being a female. Because Connor's attention he chose me and I thought he chose me above all others. But to find out that there were pornographic images, more numbers than I could even, more images that I could even count. And today, you know, Drew, because I've been to porn sites, they are as deep and dark and wide and um, there's no condom for the internet. So anything they want to touch anything you want to touch. There's something else that's already popping up saying, hey, look at this, look at this. And it's a never ending, ghastly, dark stream of objectification 
that truly does harm a woman or a man on the other side who's ever watching it. There's a lot of women that are looking at porn as well. But in my case, you know, all that harms us. We're impacted. And it's intimate deception, betrayal trauma, because we trusted that you're being honest with us, that you wanted us, that you were being upfront and being consensual. And it's a big surprise to know that we didn't get to choose what you were looking at today or yesterday or next week. I've heard it described as cutting off the tail of a puppy one inch at a time. Yep. That's in my book. I talk about that. I have a friend that is, um, she raises dogs. She raises dogs that are bred and it happens to be a breed that, you know, they're born with a little, with a longer tail, but, um, and she has to, you know, snip off their tail. Well, when there are discoveries that we find or confessions or disclosures and it's drips and drabs like leaky disclosures. It feels like cutting inch by inch. It hurts us. And it's a thing. Like I just created a um, survey. It's a quiz that's out there um, that women can take to see if you've been impacted by sexual betrayal. But I did a deeper dive to do go in depth to even look at if they've been impacted by post-traumatic stress symptoms because really their partner feels all the changes that are going on in that relationship. She's angry. She's hurting. She's upset. She's closed in. Um, she's agitated. She's shut down sexually, or maybe she's starting to sexually act out more because she's trying to keep you from doing this thing and everything goes sideways in that relationship. Mm -hmm. Whatever was before she found out about the sexual acting out, it changes at that point. And I think a lot of times guys don't know how to get that settled back down, mm -hmm. how to, you know, stop the ab reacting or to have her, you know, understand that I'm sorry, you know, uh, what I did. And because they see the hurt and they feel hurt about her hurt and they don't know how to stop the hurting that's hurting. And, and yeah. it, uh, it, it can just feed on itself. But I, I kind of say, Drew, is that this is not a time for for cheap sorries, that I, as I call them, because surprisingly of the impact, like 87% of women who find out that the one, their significant other has been sexually acting out in some way, you know, in their coupleship, they stop undressing in front of them. 88, 87% of them say, okay, I, I don't feel safe anymore. A hundred percent of them. And this is, you know, anytime you're doing research and you get a hundred percent of anything, you kind of stop and go, what is that thing? A hundred percent of them said, I feel sexually violated. Now your guys would probably go, I didn't violate her. Like I, I don't do that, but let me just newsflash, right? Pornography violates us. Because it's your attention moving towards something else, an objectified female rather than us when we're here, right? Yeah. Even in a relationship where your partner has known about it, maybe even since the beginning, maybe since dating, uh, that doesn't make it any less violent, any less violating. And, and you might just say, well, maybe there was an affair, it wasn't porn. In my research, there was everything from pornography, affairs, multiple affairs, strip clubs, massage parlors, child porn, illegal activity. It was all of that. And three out of four of us had symptoms, clinical symptoms of post-traumatic stress disorder. So that's what y'all are seeing. Mm -hmm. It hurts us in a very clinical way, like soldiers, you know, or military or 9-11. We all remember where what we were where we were at, what we were doing when 9-11 happened, but we don't really equate pornography or sexual acting out with being able to cause that much impact. But it does. It does. And betrayed partners feel it even if they don't know what it is. Why is it so difficult for betrayed partners to seek help? That is a great question. Um, 
let me tell you my first couple of thoughts and then um, I'll tell you what I think helps them a lot realize what they need to do. So the first thing that happens in most of us is when we find out about some acting out, pornography, whatever it is that they discovered, this is what we say. You need to figure it out. You need to stop doing the thing that's hurting me. Go get fixed. Go get helped. Go get support. You know, go to Drew's group, like figure it out and and get help because I'm hurting and this is a problem you need to fix. Okay. That's one thing that many of us go to. The second thing I kind of alluded to it uh, when we started the conversation today is when we find out about the sexual acting out, it shames us. Uh, and, and this is a very biological science thing. Let me go, let me go science through for a second. Okay. Our brain is wired to mem- put in our mind, remember, if there is something that happens that hurts us, our brain wires in a negative belief about ourselves and some painful goo, some feelings and thoughts, and it stores it in our brain. Now, why does it do that? It seems kind of interesting if somebody else is doing the thing. Why do I end up like bad Velcro? Why does it get stuck on me? Well, the brain is trying to protect us. So if it can put shame on my body, like, you know, picking up the wrong set of luggage at the airport, you know, having somebody else's name on it, but you're the one that's walking away carrying that, it's carried shame. It's called carried shame. We have shame and we feel bad about ourselves. So if I feel like in my own brain is telling me I'm not good enough, I'm not sexy enough, I can't trust anyone, I'm not in control. I, um, I, I am helpless. Um, I should have done something. Now, if I'm, if that's all on my luggage, on my suitcase, all those labels, do you think I'm going to go outside and be with people? Do you think I'm going to go outside and sit with other men or women? Do you think I'm going to be comfortable at my work or home or I sequester in? It is a biological way that our body is trying and a brain is trying to save us. It takes us off the street. So between those two things, I'm like, I got a big dilemma, Drew. How am I going to help these women that need help? They've been impacted. How am I going to help them heal? I I healed broken. I was like the break. You know, it's like my arm got busted up and I didn't get good mending. And so my my arm healed like with a crooked place in it. I healed broken. I don't want that for the men you serve. And I don't want that for the women that I serve. I want them to heal well, because if we can heal well, we get what we need to, to battle better through this. We get what we need to come out the other side. In fact, there's research that has been done, Drew, by Debbie Laser and a whole bunch of people that says this, if a betrayed partner gets the kind of support she needs, the help, the the support, the the healing and heals from the shame and the trauma, she can end up with something called post-traumatic growth. Now that is the opposite of post-traumatic stress disorder. It is on the other side. And my goal is to help as many people get on the other side. And you and I both know couples that have gone through this that are now in post-traumatic growth together, um, or whether the marriage was a casualty, those individuals can move into post-traumatic growth um, and 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 serve and give. And I'm sure those are stories like people in your team, um, you have lots of examples of that. But um, yeah, it's, they they heal broken. So when I invite them in, when I say, hey, I get it, I've been there like not in your story, but in my own story. And what you're dealing with is the trauma. I want to help you get on your gurney, get on your, like a hospital. I'm in an ICU ward. I say, I want you to know, I see you. I see you. I see what you're going through. I want to help you get on your own gurney and start the mending process, getting stronger, finding out what's true about you, helping you know what you need Mm -hmm. to help turn this situation around. 
um, women heal. So in order for women to actually seek help and get into the ICU healing process, they really need to realize that it's not just my husband's problem. It's not just his problem. I have been devastated. Um, even though that is so not fair. And you're right. It's not fair. If it's his problem, he should be the one that has to fix it. Why do I have to suffer? But it it really is not fair. And that's where it is. Yeah. Uh, you, you say it. It is. It, the healing has to come on both sides. And it's not putting it on you. It's not saying it's your fault. It's, you know, I, I, I don't even, you know, and I hope some of you guys that are listening to me right now hear me in the best intent that I mean it. I know there's a lot of marriage issues, right? We come into marriage or stuff we got to work on. But when it comes to intimate deception, betrayal, right? Pornography use or acting out in other ways, it's not really a marriage problem. It's an acting out problem that complicates whatever marriage issues have been there. And that's what needs to be addressed is that. And so I think partners feel some, huh, like, because we already are working with, I just am not pretty enough. I must not have been sexy enough. I don't have a big enough, whatever, um, small enough, whatever. And it's it's really an acting out problem that yeah. can be addressed and and there can be some changes. So the trauma came from one side. The healing has to come to both sides. True. Now, I am trauma squared. Let me just make it a little bit more muddy here. So I'm trauma squared, meaning I use that term to talk about having trauma in my family of origin and then betrayal trauma with Connor. I had a lot of crazy stuff that was happening growing up and there was vulnerabilities in me. Now, that's not why I chose Connor right? We met, we fell in love. I knew one thing, but he was a pastor. I thought, oh my gosh, I'm coming from a crazy making house. I feel like Cinderella putting my shoe in a slipper and I'm going to ride off into sunset with, you know, Connor. And we did have a great time together. So I think there can be situations where there's trauma in both of our lives underlying this. But when it comes to betrayal trauma, that is either an add-on for those that have come from families where there's like me, trauma squared. Um, and some women in my community had good enough families and good families. So the first time they're experiencing this boom, right, you know, is the betrayal trauma. And some of us have both and some of us have one, but the betrayal trauma is what needs to be addressed. And can I say one more thing? Because I really want to say this. I love when I have the opportunity to talk to men. It took me forever to get the courage to go in and learn um, and become a certified sex addiction therapist so I could actually work with men. I think I really didn't want to know like what was on the other side of the curtain, like the Wizard of Oz, you know, and all the levers. And I just, you know, uh, pay no attention. Like it was so big and scary and my 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 life blew up because of that. Right. But I got courage and I wanted to really understand what was going on with them. And I needed to be able to talk more to us about what is going on. And this is one thing that I feel from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. When I look at porn use and when porn gets laid in now, I've heard stories, many stories of men that found it very early on when they were kids mm-hmm. men that um, got hooked boys that were talking and, and, and we have such a more prevalence of um, what's going on today with porn and our devices. But let me say this came out of recently being on the radio where I was asking a woman called in and she said, I got to ask a question. I have a seven-year-old daughter and my nine-year-old, a nine-year-old boy at her school has now acted out with four other kids. And they brought in people at the school to try to figure this out. I mean, because we're dealing with a seven-year-old and a nine-year-old that kept acting out. Well, Dan Siegel uh, talks about 
something um, in, I think his book, Mindsight, but it's monkey see, monkey do. It's mirror neurons. That nine-year-old had found pornography and what he was beginning to do is he was beginning to project we project intention, we project what we're seeing, and he began to act out on these other kids. Now, I see that there are two victims here. There are two victims from the porn industry. So even as I listen to men as they're talking about finding it early on, I'm like, he was a victim of the porn industry. Now, do I hate the porn industry? Yes. I go on record. I hate it. And I have some people that are kind of ticked at me because I hate the porn industry. And I say, I don't care. I see so much damage that's happening because of the porn industry to both people and to their kids. Um, I mean, how do you see it, Drew? I mean, oh, I see it the same way because just like that shame sticks on to a betrayed partner like Velcro the shame of early introduction to porn sticks on to little boys like Velcro. And I've surveyed some of my students and clients asking, how much of this do you believe is your fault? And the most common answer is, it's all my fault. Not realizing that we were exploited by porn. So with that in mind, we all have a lot of trauma. Yeah, we do. We all need to heal. In your experience, as a certified sex addiction therapist and also being the champion for betrayed partners, when it comes to real healing, what works and what doesn't? Um, okay. So let me tell you what doesn't work first. What doesn't work is not stepping into the ring to get care. Okay. What doesn't work is staying on the sidelines. It is like jumping through a ring of fire to get into a community because partners feel like, well, if I go there, I'm going to be triggered about my own story or I'm going to hear something I don't want to hear and I, or I don't want to know. And so I'm going to avoid it and just hope upon hope, cross my fingers and toes and hope that it gets better. So that's the first thing. I have people that have called me back that said, I started reading your book and I got to page six and I just set it down. I had one lady that said she threw it across the room. Uh, and you know what? When I hear that, I go, it's okay. It's okay. You were overwhelmed by what's happened and you didn't want to hear it. And and that denial, that looking away, that throwing the book away is a way that we cope. But when we do that, we don't get the help that we need from the betrayal trauma. Those negative beliefs, those shame beliefs that have been Nagging neggies. Nagging neggies. You're so good, Drew. They're nagging neggies. I got to help you change your mind about that stuff. And the brain can change. We've got to change your mind because if we're walking around and not getting that, then we don't get the healing. We end up healing broken, broken like I did. Um, what doesn't work is I have seen um, situations where betrayed partners get um, polarized to making the one who has sexually betrayed them and lied. Um, pathological in the way that they're saying, you know, they're all bad. They're that crucify them. And that I don't think is helpful. I know that there are many, many, many people that are deceiving because they're scared out of their mind about coming clean, about being honest about what they've done, because they're afraid if they do, then 80, you know, then, then they're going to blow up the relationship. Well, in my research, 88% of us betrayed partners with everything I said earlier, all that stuff that had happened, the relationship, um, 88% of them said I would stay if they would stop lying and get the help they needed. Now that's a pretty good odd, uh, pretty good odds considering what has happened in the relationship. And then when I asked them, I said, what was more difficult? The sexual acting out, the knowledge of the behaviors that were done. I know they're both bad. The knowledge of what was done or the, the bad part of the lying, continued patterns of lies. 65% of us said it's the lies. 
the continued patterns of lies that blow us up and that relationship up. That's a huge, massive mindset shift to think the lying that I thought was protecting my partner from being hurt is actually what's causing the most harm. And sometimes the reason why guys are afraid to open up is because they say, well, I don't want to hurt her. Well, the reality is you've already hurt her. And by not telling her, you're withholding the truth and preventing her from being able to heal, from getting the help. Am I on point with that? On point from getting the help and from having integrity in the relationship. I was just talking to a partner recently, and I'll just share with you what she said. She was telling me three times uh, when her husband got honest about the sexual acting out that was happening, the pornography and some of the other acts that he was doing. And three times he was told, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't tell, I'll use the name uh, Mary Beth. I wouldn't tell Mary Beth that it's not going to really help her. Well, then he went to the next person. It was a pastor, first, second pastor. Yeah, yeah, I wouldn't say anything to her. You, you just heal, get into your group. I wouldn't tell her. And then she said, what just made me kind of, well, what is going on in his recovery group? He was in a recovery group and there was this agreement that we just don't tell our wives. It's not a good idea. Uh, what what's happening there is it's colluding with deception and it's keeping the lie from the one that's hurt. It's keeping her in the dark about it. And that may feel good for the one who's betrayed because it's like, okay, good. We got a hall pass. But when she finds out, which she will, we find out these things. Or if she asks you, you know, are you acting out? And you might say, no, I'm doing good or, you know, or yes, or whatever. It creates a chasm at that time. And the most challenging thing is having to, to get a couple to work with people who are non-shaming, helping that couple move the basketball down the court <laughs> and help them come into truth and, and safety with each yes. other. So they can have an honest relationship that's built yeah. on integrity. Um, but blaming, lying, gaslighting, coming home and looking like there's nothing wrong. I mean, Dr. Omar Minwala, he talks about a secret sexual basement that they go down into that's in the house. And and uh, not it doesn't have to be literally in the house, but that's kind of what it's like. And the, the wife doesn't know or the girlfriend doesn't know that they're sexually acting out until she starts having some body reactions. She starts, you know, um, having anxiety and her, her gut, which is the second brain, the gut detecting mm -hmm. system starts going off bells and whistles. And she ends up feeling sad, anxious, knowing something's going on. Our, our intuition is, is crazy, like a, a sword. And so they're, they're kind of given the choice within their own body to either trust their gut, their second brain, or trust the relationship they're in. And it compromises that person. It actually is psychological abuse, the gaslighting, and and because it it causes them to question themselves and think they're crazy. And then I had one guy, bless his heart, they were on the other side of the disclosure process. And I love this guy because he's so honest. He was in the room with his wife and he's like, yeah, I was telling you, you were crazy. I was doing that. And I thank that man for being that honest and that brave to own it because she could heal. She was like, thank you. Now that seems weird that a wife who's been betrayed would actually say thank you for owning it. But that's what we're looking for is ownership. Yeah. yeah. You've written that betrayed partners are looking for two things, safety in an unsafe situation and truth in the midst of deception. That's what works. That's what I've seen works with couples that come out of this and can start on a new playing field. Mm -hmm. And and that's what I help to do in my community is help them you know become empowered to make sense of what's going on so that they can again be stronger advocates for what's needed 
because 88% of them are like, I want to help us get to the other side. You're not my enemy. They, we, we, you know, I, I often think we think that you're our enemy. You're not our enemy. There's an enemy. Look at the porn industry. Look at, you know, the father of lies. I can point to some serious enemies and I'm not saying that that's a reason to say the devil made me do it. Please don't, please don't hear that. There is all these things that are out there that are making it very difficult for us, but we are warriors of fierce strength that really want to fight it out. If you will do the work and you will begin to do courageous things like working to get the support you need and making sure we're in support and we, we get the support we need and then you know, taking some steps towards good truth telling. And you and I have both been trained in in that through ITAP, right? On mm-hmm. full dis- therapeutic full disclosures and all of that. And that's a whole conversation in and of itself. But I'm just saying, you know, we want to heal. We want to get past this. Mm-hmm. Truly. So guys, this is very, very important. It is vital for your partners to get that support. And Sherry has created an amazing program called the Brave One Community for that purpose. Could you tell us more about it? Yeah. So the Brave One Community I created when COVID happened, like the rest of us had to kind of land on our feet. I had some partners I was working with and here in, I'm in California here in California, I uh, I can't go outside of state lines to do any kind of counseling or therapy or anything like that. But with my book being out on the street, I had women calling me doing what 88% of us do, asking for help. I, I'm in it. I want to know what I need to do. I've had husbands calling me. I've had husbands calling me and saying, I got your book and I read it. And I think my wife has some of that post-traumatic stuff. You know, I I, I heard her and I'm like, hey, Thank you for calling me. I want to get you help. I want to get her help. And so this community was created. It's a virtual world that has two firewalls because we want to make sure it's really safe. It's confidential because we want it to be a place where real women can talk about the real things that are really going on with sexual betrayal. And and we do that. And not just that we talk about it because and just kind of stay there and talk about it without any change in hope. We have been, remember 100% said they got violated. We've been a victim of the impact of pornography, non-consensual acting out that we found out about. And, and I want us to get out of that victim seat as quickly as possible. I want to help them um, learn how to ask for what they need, learn what kind of help is needed, what doesn't work, what does work. I have coaches in the community and many of them have gone through this. Some are uh, single, right? That it the marriage failed. Others are married and they're in telling their stories, working in groups. Um, you know, the goal is healing and the goal is sanity. The goal is helping them mend that break so they can heal well. And so I do it. I I have live Q and A's where I actually get to talk to them and answer questions um, to make sense of it. Cause where else can they talk about it? So this is that place. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really work with them on healing and getting stronger. And again, if you're interested or your significant other, your spouse is interested or you think they need some help and they want a safe place um, where we can do that work, uh, have them take my survey and um, that will help get them into my email. And then I'm also going to be doing some live Facebook lives coming up here in, uh, I'm actually doing it right now. Actually, I'm doing Facebook lives. I know we recorded, but we're going to be, by the time this releases, I'm actually going to be out on the street talking and my community opens up. It's a closed community because we work hard. We go deep. I help them move forward. And so if you're thinking about having her get in, the time is now uh, to jump in and start doing the work. 
This is good news, everybody. I've been waiting for months for this Brave One community to open up so that we can announce this. Um, unfortunately, having this kind of safe, trauma-informed space with professional support and, and women who are all in it together under the guidance of someone who's been there, someone who has researched this stuff, that's hard to find. That's really rare. And now is the time because it opens up for a little while and then you commit and go deep into the healing process. So we have all the links to your survey about how have you been impacted by sexual betrayal in the show notes. We have the link to the Brave One community and all of the free presentations that are going on this month. For a man who is listening to this, how would you suggest telling his wife or girlfriend about some of these opportunities? Yeah, especially without triggering her, right? It's like, okay, you want to tell me um, that I need healing, right? And that that can be a trigger in and of itself, right? I, I don't need anything. And I'm just talking like a partner, all right? Um it's your problem. I don't, I don't want to go. I don't want to have to get in this group. I don't know these ladies, you know, blah, blah, blah. So you might do a soft invite and just have them watch this. Listen, listen to the podcast where Drew and I are bookends. We're, we're collaborating because we are a good team in the big cause, the big goal. Um, I think if you go to her and I have in my book, I talk about the difference between the medic and the mechanic, you know, uh, and I talk about, I actually have a grenade in my office. It's not a real one, but um, it's a grenade that once it's a real grenade that's been gutted out, but one side is the grenade. The other side is actually somebody like a sculptor made this where it's a heart. It's a heart on the other side. Looks looks like a human heart with the A order and everything. It's, it's brilliant. I bought it on eBay. And um, when I saw it, I was like, I need that. Because what happens when they find out about the porn or whatever the acting out is, like throwing the grenade in the foxhole with the one you're with. And, and so in that case, a lot of us, you know, a lot of guys will go, they put on their mechanic hat because we're fixers. And, you know, we do a lot of fixing um, around and, and I'm grateful that you guys do fix a lot of things. Um, I have a husband that I'm like, honey, I need this, you know, but, but we do that with relationships. We think if I can just fix, maybe I'll wash the dishes or maybe I'll help around the house or maybe I'll just <laughs> an extra time, you know, caring for the kids. And even though I'll give her a night out or, but you know what we really need, but because it's post-traumatic stress, what we really need is a medic. And a medic is somebody that says, Hey, I was just listening to this podcast today and I know that I've hurt you. And I just thought you might be interested in, I don't know, checking out this gal, this, his name is Sherry, Dr. Sherry, whatever you can call me Sherry. And she's been through it, but she talks about how people can heal well. And I just know I've hurt you and I, I want you to heal well. And I want to heal well. Yeah. Now, that is a, it's an invitation. It's not saying you need to do it. It's not using it as a weapon mm -hmm. to that group. It's just say it's an invitation. You might be interested in hearing yeah. what she has to say. And, and uh, the brave one community is that it's a membership. It's, you know, people can stop at any time. I don't have them tethered to inside of it. I want you to come in, look around, see if there's some things that can help you. And I, I have many, many women stay because they're getting the benefit and mm -hmm. their relationships are changing. Yeah. That was one of my favorite parts of the book where you describe the difference between the mechanic and the medic. So as if you're telling your wife or your girlfriend about this, don't be the mechanic. Mm -hmm. uh, the mechanic tries to fix the problem quickly. Uh, the mechanic tells her to hurry up and heal. The mechanic believes he needs to be the expert. Uh, and the mechanic tells her to stop feeling what she's feeling and tries to fix the problem by putting it on her. The medic, on the other hand, acknowledges her pain, validates her pain, listens, and the medic, on the other hand, offers protection and support. And, you know, I think there's so often as, you know, guys, it's hard to know the language because we haven't, many of men have not grown up with 
nurture. They've not grown up with seeing empathy or having empathy come to you. And so it's this foreign land of, it's like a minefield. So we don't know what to say when she's upset, when she gets triggered, when she sees you, you know, looking over at another woman and who's, you know, wearing whatever, a low cut blouse or whatever. They're all over right now. I live in California this summer. It's just everywhere. Right. And when she says, did you just look at her? I just saw you look at her. Okay. A medic would be in ownership. Now I know this is like defying gravity because it's counterintuitive. You think you would say yes, and that she's going to go, you know, and I'm not saying that she won't, but more often than not, what we're looking for is ownership. So to say, you know what? I did. I saw her and I hurt you. I know that hurt you. I've hurt you with doing things like this before. And I just want you to know, I just caused you pain again. Don't say you're sorry. She doesn't need that. What she nears, needs is that phrase, I just caused you pain again. Uh-huh. Now She will probably go, what alien being just took over my husband or another? <laughs> because he just took ownership and went, oh my gosh, uh-huh. I am... I, I just caused you hurt and I will continue to be very thoughtful about that going forward here with you. Mm-hmm. And even if you can't find anything to take ownership of in the moment, yeah. take ownership of the past, it, yeah. take ownership of all the things. Exactly. Yeah. I know. Yeah. Instead of owning something you didn't do, she might, she might be triggered. Right. And you might say, you know what? I was really just trying to focus, but you know, I've hurt you. I've set this up. You now have triggers because of what I've done. Mm-hmm. And that uh, I I can see how I hurt you. Yeah. Period. That's it. Period. I see how I hurt you. And that's ownership. And she will most likely quiet down inside. Because when you own it, when you're denying it, making light of it, making excuses, which are all the things we do when we're defending because we're afraid she's going to get more upset, right? That's in my empowerment wheel. And I won't even go into that. But my empowerment wheel, that's... Denial, minimizing, avoiding, making excuses. And that sends us to the moon and back. The opposite of denial is acknowledging what's true. It's reality. Um, I get honest with myself and I'm taking steps to own it and deal with it. And that ownership means a ton to us. So we can take ownership and we can also pass the baton of healing from sexual betrayal to those who are ready to help, like Dr. Sherry and the Brave One community. This is kind of like the other side of husband material. It is. It is. And yeah, I would call it, you know, how to have how to heal your wife material, how to heal your significant other material. You know, it's I'm just grateful, Drew, that you are having these conversations. And guys, can I just say thank you? Can I just tell you? Thank you for stepping in the ring. You guys are my hero that you're here. Hero, you're here. And I'm not making light of that. I say that from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet. Because I was one of those women that didn't have a man like you that would be willing to step into some process of being able to work through this. Connor didn't do that. He went in, went a couple of times, kicked a tire, and then was like, it's it's not for me. It's I, I just, I don't think I'm the same as the other guys. And that happens, right? But you guys are rolling up your sleeves and you're here. And I am a fan. I am a fan of you. And I am proud of you for doing this. It means a lot to me. And it means a lot to them. They notice stuff like this. And even though they are not telling you that on a regular basis, I talk about that in my community. I talk about this candle, like a three-wick candle. I have them in my office. And when you guys are doing good work, I said, really, I know it's, it is for them. It's supposed to be for them, but actually it's for us too. And I said, like a three-wick candle, we want them to have all three wicks going at all time. We want them 
keeping those wicks burning because we've been hurt. And I said, you know, what happens is when they light one of those candles, they're going to Drew's group. I said, just acknowledging that, you know, and I tell him this, I go, it's not like you have to have a parade that he's going to Drew's group because I know they have a hard time getting excited because they've been hurt. But I said, please acknowledge that. And I'm acknowledging you guys, the lighting that one wick, they see it. And I'm telling you, I'm proud of you. You're doing the right thing. No matter what happens in your relationship with your significant other, you're on the right path. With Drew, you're healing. Stay in it. Stay in it to win it. Um, and I hope I get to meet you at some point. You might say, oh, yeah, I heard you on Drew's thing. And I might meet you at a conference. I might meet you at a who knows what. And I hope you'll come up to me and shake my hand so I can actually say thank you for jumping in and doing your work. Um, I just bought my husband. And I just bought a retreat center in um, Prescott, Arizona, where we're going to be doing some face-to-face conferences. I'm going to be having my first one, hopefully, sometime this year. I'll be announcing it in the community. But my goal, Drew, is to do some couple work. Maybe, maybe you and I can do something at some point where we would host and have people come and grow and learn about having more of these conversations. So we can we can really work towards the goal of healing and healing well. Praise God. <laughs> this is so good. Sherry, thank you so much for being here. You're so welcome. And again, I, I can't thank you enough for, for inviting me into your man tribe. Right. Um, I know <laughs> I actually know there's some women that watch and some couples, because I have some women in my Brave One community that, you know. They're crushing on you, Drew, and in a very good way. They're just so happy. Uh, that's how I heard about you was actually the buzz in my community around what you're doing with the men. And so thank you for continuing to do this and for inviting me today. Um, I couldn't be happier to be able to just chat with you about some of the stuff that matters. You are so welcome. In one sentence, what is your favorite thing about healing? Oh my goodness. You know, I would have to say, Drew, my favorite thing about healing is step six of grief. It's the meaning making that happens afterwards. My favorite part of healing is not going through the process. Um, It's the goods. It's the upgrades. It's what we get and what we get to do with what happened to us that can fuel a fire. And um, and it's why both of you are doing what we're doing, really, as we're meaning has come out of it. Awesome. Well, guys, check out Sherry's links in the show notes to some of her free Facebook lives coming up to the survey and to this amazing book, Intimate Deception. Thanks again, Sherry. You're so welcome. And gentlemen, always remember you are God's beloved son in you. He is well pleased. Mm